The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Take Off with John Clark, and we've got a very special guest. This man is going to receive the Dick Vermeil Lifetime Achievement Award this year at the Otho Davis Scholarship Foundation Dinner. Sal Palantonio, how you doing? Wow. I just can't believe it. I'm going to be with Meryl Reese, Ray Didinger, uh, other award winners, Gary Dorsheimer, the Flyers doctor, you know him so well. Um, the late, great Dave Montgomery, the Phillies chairman, Ron Jaworski. That's that's some pretty good company right there. I'm, I'm totally honored and humbled by the, by the idea. I'm, I'm looking forward to the dinner, though. And, of course, I hope you're going to come. I hope I'm sitting at the head table. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> hey, I, I, I guarantee it. Oh, baby. I appreciate it. Sal, you're the best. You're a Philly legend. We're going to get into that a little bit more because that is such an honor. You've been doing great work in this town and all over the country for ESPN for many, many years. Let me ask you a question nationally from your perspective of covering the NFL for so long. Does it get any better than Eagles, Cowboys, and Dallas week? It doesn't really. I mean, this is the marquee game that I've had circled on the calendar, November 5th, 2023. You know, the Cowboys want to retake the division crown. Uh, Dak and Jalen haven't gone up against each other for a couple of years, and now these teams are different, and the Eagles are the NFC champs trying to get back to the Super Bowl. You know, there were a lot of doubters. And, you know, the numbers are the numbers and the history is the history of trying to get back to a Super Bowl after losing it. But you have to admire the grit and determination and the ability to completely reconsider what they do on every level. And now what you saw yesterday was just truly amazing. I mean, you that's the first time in 20 years that a team has lost two fumbles inside the three-yard line. And the last team that did it lost the game. So they're the first team in 20 years to lose a fumble, two fumbles inside the three and win the game. What 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 resurgence for that football team? Resilience, exactly right. I guess resilience would be the best word, right? Yeah, Sal, I mean, to score 38 points, and as you said, it's the first time in Eagles history that they fumbled within the three-yard line twice. So that's like, you know, 10, 14 points off the board at least, and they still put up 38. And now, <sighs> over this stretch, the last five games, the Eagles have the best passing attack in the NFL. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown. But how impressive is what Jalen's doing? Because he, he's not able to run as well now. So he's he's a pocket passer, and he's lighting them up. Right, so six rushing yards, fewest in any game since he became the full-time starter. He's wearing a brace on his left knee. You can tell at times he sort of favors that left leg, clearly. So the hallmark of him 
being the MVP last year was his ability to run and pass. He was the ultimate dual-threat quarterback who could win from the pocket. And now he's just dropping back and throwing the ball. And with great accuracy, whether he's on the run or in the pocket, moving outside the pocket, his accuracy has just been perfect. And, of course, it helps to have A.J. Brown. I mean, A.J. Brown, in my view, they talk about him being the offensive player of the year. I'm sorry. I think he's an MVP candidate for the entire league. Don't you, John? Yeah, and he's on pace for 2,000 receiving yards right around there. And you look at the third down, Sal, he's up around 90% converting third downs. It's almost like, they, you know, his nickname always open. So, so would you actually put him right there in the conversation? I mean, Tyreek Hill, obviously fantastic. But other than the quarterbacks, is it A.J. and Tyreek Hill? I think it is. I definitely think it is. Um, you know, A.J. Brown, he doesn't have Jalen Waddle. I realize that A.J. Uh, Brown has Devontae Smith. But, you know, this is, a, this is an offense that is built around A.J. Brown. And to me, he's the, he's the MVP. Well, that's interesting you say that because since that little sideline discussion with yeah. A.J. and his best buddy Jalen, where, you know, Nick Sirianni literally had to hold A.J.'s arm because it was heated. But since then, they have fed him the ball. We're talking 10 to 15 targets a game. He was right. Well, he was totally right. And it's okay to have those kind of discussions on the sideline. That's what professional sports are all about. It's a high level of competition. And uh, I'm happy that they had it out. Whatever they discussed, I'm sure – they went behind closed doors and had more discussions about it with Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. And clearly, A.J. Brown got his point across, and now he's getting the football. Yeah, so are the Eagles legitimately the best team in the NFL? They have the record 7-1, and one, best in the NFL, but are they the best team in the league? Well, they would be favored against any team that they would play right now. So that, to me, is the measure of whether they're the best team. They'd be favored against the Chiefs. I think – I don't know what the line is now for the Monday night game in Kansas City, but it's probably close to a pick game, which means they're favored because they're on the road. Chiefs will get three points for being home. They'd be favored against the 49ers. They're favored against Dallas. What other team is even in the conversation? They'd be favored against Baltimore. Buffalo I think the most – Yeah, I think the most dangerous team right now is the Cincinnati Bengals. Now that Joe Burrow is fully healthy because of the way they're playing total good defense and because Burrow is just a superb pocket passer and they're doing a good job of protecting him. But, you know, I w we had our ESPN stats and information department. I had them knowing I was going to come on with you. And we looked up these numbers and I wanted to share them with you. And I know you have a great audience. So scoring is down way down in the National Football League. Points scored per game is at a 13-year low. Pass block win rate, lowest in six years. UBR, league-wide, is down 6.1 yards per attempt, lowest in 17 years. Now, why am I giving you those numbers? Because for the Eagles, scoring is up. Pass block win rate, is the number one in the NFL. It's up 
for the Eagles offensive line. And Jalen Hurts' passer rating of 135.7 is 30% higher than it was last year at the end of the season. So while everybody else in the league is down in very important key numbers, metrics, the Eagles are up. So that's why when you ask me the question, John, do I think they're the best team in the league? The answer is yes. That is a resounding yes. Are you a little surprised when you just told me that the Eagles would be favored in every game? Are you a little surprised they're only three-point favorites at home against the Cowboys? Not because because of the history and the rivalry and the intensity of it. No, I am not. I think it was a three-point game. Probably at the, you know, I'm sure it was just around there for most of the year. You know, Dallas is coming off a big win against the Rams at home. Uh, the Eagles played Washington. Washington has given up 18 touchdown passes. That's the most in the National Football League. Dallas's defense is much, much better. Only given up nine touchdown passes, and they have nine interceptions. So their pass defense is better. Uh, you know, they are missing uh, digs. There's no question about that in their secondary. Uh, I think from a matchup standpoint, however, if you just want to look up matchup, I think the Eagles with Smith, Goddard, Swift, and Brown. Then you add Julio. I think they create a real matchup nightmare. They're going to create problems for that secondary. You're going to have to figure out who you're going to try to double team. And even there, if you double team A.J. Brown like we saw yesterday, he'll still come down with the football. All right. So. We know the Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year, Sal, and they're the best team in the NFL right now. But is this a statement game to show that they can beat the Cowboys? Now, I know Gardner Minshew was the quarterback last year in Dallas. Cowboys have won like four of the last five. Dak is eight and three against the Eagles. No matter how good the Eagles have been, the Cowboys have had their number. Is this a statement game for the Eagles? I like statement games. You know, players don't. I like them. So let's call it a statement game, sure. But the Dolphins was a statement game, for sure. And they got a lot of statement games coming up. Yeah. <laughs> they got a lot of them. You yeah. know, the Bills, the Niners, Cowboys again on the road, uh, Seattle on the road. So they got a lot of statement games coming up. This is a rough stretch. It begins now. They got the buy in the middle of it, which is good. Uh, you know, getting Bradley Roby back healthy will definitely help. Uh, I think the, big, the two biggest issues that I see with the team is being able to run the football without Jalen Hurts as a threat, as a runner right now. You know, they were so good because you had to, you had to dedicate a hat to Jalen Hurts in the running game. If you know he's not going to run, then you can run blitz DeAndre Swift. But I think it's really up to Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni and, of course, the run game coordinator, Jeff Stoutland, to sort of reconfigure or reimagine how they run the football so that it'll take some pressure off Jalen Hurts in the passing game. And it should start this week, in my view. That's a very good point. And on the other side of the ball, defensively, the Eagles have had eight different combinations in the secondary. They've had a lot of guys banged up. <laughs> and, man, do they miss Avante Maddox. Uh, yes. And I'm looking at. Washington, they got some favorable matchups against Sidney Brown, Reed Blankenship in the passing game. Do you think that's exactly what Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys are going to try to do, try to get those favorable matchups? 
Of course they will. But if I'm Mike McCarthy, I don't want to get in a shootout with Jalen Hurts. They tried that against in Washington and they lost. If I'm Mike McCarthy, I want to make sure I've got ball control. You're on the road. Control the ball. Get good field position. And keep Jalen Hurts and that passing game, which in my view right now, I just gave you the numbers. They're bucking the trend in the National Football League with a quarterback who's got one squeaky wheel. So if I'm Mike McCarthy, yeah, I've got some matchups, sure. But I'm not trying to throw the ball all over the place in South Philadelphia. I think they lose that game if they do that. So you just mentioned Jalen Hurts. Because Dak Prescott will give the ball up. Jalen well, doesn't give the ball up, John. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Big thing. You're right. I will say this, though, about Big thing, Dak. John? Big thing? Big, huge, huge, huge sell. But I will say this. This year, Dak is not turning it over as much. You go to the one game against the Niners where they got blown out 42-10. to 10. That yeah. seems like forever ago with what's happened to the Niners. But Dak had three interceptions in that game. All yeah. the other games, just two picks. So he's not throwing interceptions as much as he was last year. Against the Jets, the Giants. Cardinals. Cardinals. Okay. Rams at home. The Eagles went to L.A. and Come on. Yeah. All right. Statement game for both then. Without yeah. a doubt. To yeah. me, it's more of a statement game for Dak. A, he's got to take care of the football. I mean, you know, the Eagles have had problems with turnovers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Not at home as much as on the road. But for sure, Dak Prescott has had a history of this. And so, you know, this is a statement game for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the, the Eagles will still have the division lead if they lose the game. And I don't think they'll lose the game. I think they'll win the game. But, you know, the game really is for Dallas. I mean, I mean what are you doing? You beat the Rams at home. Okay. You beat the Jets, Giants, and Cardinals. Okay. Then you went to California and you got boat raced by San Francisco. Don't get into a shootout with Jalen Hurts. Bad idea. Bad, bad idea. And they could be without their stud tackle, Tyron Smith. He may not play. When you look at this Eagles defensive front coming in waves, is that the biggest thing to watch? This week going into the game? Right. The number one determining factor, winners or losers in the NFL, other than turnovers, which is, of course, the benchmark every week, is pass, block, win rate. Teams throw the ball more than they ever have. And the flip side, the bad side of that is, if you can't protect your quarterback, you got 14 teams out of 32 right now working on their second quarterback. 14 out of 32. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. So if you can't protect your quarterback, you, you got a big problem in the NFL. Eagles had a quarterback last night in Landover, Maryland, who you knew was not a threat to run the ball, and yet he threw it all over the place because their offensive line is that good. And that's the big difference between Dallas and Philadelphia, in my view. Yeah, and when you look at the roadmap to the top seed in the NFC, my goodness, have the 49ers just completely taken a turn since they crushed the Cowboys. They've lost three straight games. Brock Purdy's throwing interceptions. Now they're without Debo Samuel, but have the Eagles solidified themselves because the Niners have to come here in December. The Eagles are in the driver's seat to wrap it all up again in the NFC. 
Too early, John. Too early. Too early. Five-game stretch. A little bit too early. A little bit. All right. <laughs> Jumping ahead of myself. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but is this is this big that Eagles, Cowboys at home, then they get the bye week, little extra time before they go to Kansas City against the Chiefs, and then they're back home with the Bills, and then, boy, you got to go to Dallas, and then you got to go to Seattle. So you got some tough trips, but the bye week is a perfectly placed for after this Cowboys game. Yeah, what I like about this team, which is a culture or a mindset set by the quarterback that he inherited from his father, is we're just taking one step in the direction that we're supposed to go every single time. You know, it's always about the next step. What is he learning? How is he getting better? What did he do wrong? What are we doing against this team and this coverage? I remember sitting with Shane Steichen a couple of days before the Super Bowl there in Scottsdale. We're at the team hotel. It was the last time he had availability. Steichen was tired of answering questions. And he said, and I think you reported this too as well, that on the plane coming over to Arizona, and then as Jalen Hurts is walking down the steps and through the tarmac, he's taking questions from Shane Steichen and answering him, asking him questions about, okay, if we have this coverage against the Chiefs, what do we do here? I mean, wow, that that's the kind of singular – single-minded focus that you rarely get. And he's got it. He certainly got it. But, you know, now we have to see how he's going, how the team as a whole, don't want to put too much pressure on Jalen because he responded, but as a team as a whole, what are they going to do differently? How are they readjusting the offense to help Jalen Hurts with this bulky knee? So, I'm sure from listening to you, you think they have a Super Bowl championship caliber offense. Do they have a Super Bowl championship caliber defense? Absolutely, yes, because they can rush the passer. And you mentioned they've had several different configurations per game in the secondary. Going into week nine, I believe they've now had 15 different players start in the secondary. That's tied for most in the NFL, tied with teams that only have two wins. And this team is seven and one. So as much as you want to point to the fact that they were a little leaky yesterday, and they've always had problems with Washington. They don't, for some reason, they make Sam Howell look like Sammy Ball. I don't know why, <laughs> they just do. Yeah. They just, they, you know, some teams. But, you know, you got to give Sean Desai a lot of credit considering how many different players he's had to mix and match and find places for guys coming off the field. Uh, tremendous job by a first-year defensive coordinator, I think. Yeah. Hey, hey, Sal, by the way, it's a new era because I'm sure you heard that Kenny Gainwell, after he fumbled at halftime, he must have gone on his phone and he's scrolling through Instagram and he responded to a fan – in the DMs, and, you know, it was it was not something you want to do during a game. Can you believe in this day and age, well, it, it is this day and age, but that, that players at halftime find some time and they're scrolling through DMs from random people 
out there and they take the time to respond? John, you see this gray hair? <laughs> I don't know what a DM is, John. <laughs> you lost me. I hear you. Well, you're on Instagram, though. You're on Instagram. That's impressive. Come on, that's a big step, but it, it is amazing. Uh, Seth Curry had said he sees guys at halftime getting on their phones, and and so the Eagles did speak to Kenny Gainwell about that. Um, but would you agree going into Eagles-Cowboys, would you agree Eagles have the better offense, but right now at this point the Cowboys do have the better defense? No. No? No, they got destroyed by the 49ers. Well, that was one game. Yeah, one game against a good team. Yeah. Again, Jets, Giants, Rams at home, Cardinals. I mean, really, come on. All right. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. No. I think the Eagles have the best roster in the NFC, probably the best roster in the NFL. They have the best quarterback. They have the best offensive line, the best coaching staff. AJ I, I would I would I would put them up against anybody in the NFC. And I don't yep. think they're I don't think Baltimore's that I don't think Baltimore's better. <clears throat> Baltimore's good, but you know, Lamar Jackson turnovers in the fourth quarter leads the NFL all time uh, during his career. Yeah. And and by the way, uh, you did a great job on that piece for ESPN for the brotherly shove. I mean, these guys don't like the tush push anymore. Because it's basically saying it's just the push and not necessarily the technique. But um, were you surprised? It was really the first time that there was that snap issue from Kelsey to Jalen Hurts in the game against Washington. Were you surprised that 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 happened? Or is that something that we should expect to happen when they're running that play a thousand times? Yeah, they run it a lot. You know, I I was not surprised by the fumble because, you know, law of averages, inevitably you're going to have one. Uh, I was surprised that they call it on a first and goal. Right? I believe it was on a first and goal, if I'm yes. correct. To me, it's it's the play of last resort. First and goal, you got a couple of shots, take them into the end zone, use your power running game, whatever you got to do, uh, rollouts, you know, trickeration. I don't think it should be your first option when you're first and goal. I like the fact that they're running stuff off of it. I think that's good. I love the play. I love it. You know, as 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 uh, Nick Sirianni said after the game against Miami, if everybody could do it, everybody would do it. Yeah. And he asked to he asked where's the camera so I can look right in that camera. I know. <laughs> We got to teach him about that, John. Here's the camera, Coach. <laughs> See Italian in him, man. Hey, hey. I love it. He gets yeah. heated. He gets fired up. Um, Sal, so, so throughout your history here in Philly. I'm very even keeled, John, as you know, from playing me in tennis. Well, <laughs> why? <laughs> we both get a little fired up. We both get a little fired up. Hey, you, you, you fired me up when I was getting my butt kicked by you in tennis when I came home to Philly and I said, I got to take some lessons. I got to take down Sal. So you inspired me and motivated me. And now I can't beat you. Well, hey, it's all right. You built me up. Um, by the way, so in your time covering the NFL, look, I know Philly had T.O. And I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment with A.J. Brown. Where would you put A.J. Brown 
if he continues to do things, maybe not necessarily at this level, but continues to have high success here in Philly, where would he rank among the all-time great receivers that have played in this town? I would think he would be very high. I mean, we've got Harold Carmichael, Hall of Famer, Mike Quick on a Hall of Fame trajectory most of his career. T.O. is obviously a Hall of Famer, uh, but, you know, didn't play that many years here in Philadelphia. Played a lot of years outside of the city. Uh, You know, I think A.J. Brown is definitely very Tommy McDonald, Hall of Famer. You've got a lot of Hall of Fame wide receivers from this town. And A.J. Brown is now going uh, into his second year with the team, correct? So, um, you know, I think there's a passing league, one. I think, two, his strength is different. His ability to compete for the football is up there with T.O., no question about it. So I would say this guy's on a trajectory to be one of the greatest in the city's history. But, you know, he's only been here for two years. So I I hate to be one of those people who puts things into a larger perspective. I think, you know, you got he's got a chance to do something really special. If you get to 2000 yards receiving, if you're in the um, MVP conversation, you know, I'm in the Hall of Fame selection committee room every year. I'm one of the 46 selectors. So what do we look at? We look at numbers for sure. We look at length of career, ability to do it at a very high level for a long time. We look at, okay, what awards did he win? You know, was he the leading receiver? Was he an MVP candidate? Um, and how was he the best at his position during his time? And when you look at all of those factors, you know, he's in that conversation and he will be if he continues along this trajectory. Yeah. And it's amazing when you think about it. Somebody mentioned to me the other day, this could go down as the greatest trade for a Philadelphia sports team, A.J. Brown, especially if they win a Super Bowl. Can't believe the Titans still traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles, but it really could because they're, they're best friends, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, and you see how that's elevated Jalen's play having A.J. here. There's, there's no question about it. Could be one of the greatest trades ever. Well, you got to give Howie Roseman a lot of credit for what he does with this football team. It's, yeah. it's really quite remarkable. Miami game, Sunday night football. I'm in the press box. I'm sitting right to your left. I'm talking to a bunch of scouts who are sitting behind me. And we were talking about a couple of players that were out there on the tree block. There's conversations about them. And I said to one of the scouts, do you think the Eagles will be in that conversation? And he looked at me and said, Howie Roseman's in every conversation. <laughs> and then Kevin Byard happens. <laughs> Kevin Byard happened like the day after. Amazing. Yeah, after Tyreek Hill ran that nine route and they didn't have any help over the top. He said, uh-oh, got to get ourselves a safety. Edmonds gone. Yep. yep. You would have thought, though, that the that, that Tennessee ownership would tell the new GM after they fired the other GM because he traded A.J. Brown that, hey, don't answer that phone call when you see the 215 area code coming. Click. <laughs> uh, amazing. <laughs> um, Sal, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at your history and, and it's just amazing. And uh, it's an honor to call you a friend and uh, a mentor to me. Um, so to see you get the Dick Vermeil Lifetime Achievement Award 
It is amazing. That is such a great honor. Um, and it's going to be at the Otho Davis Scholarship Foundation Dinner at the Marriott Society Hill in Philadelphia. You've done so many great things in this town, not just your reporting on the NFL, but before that and writing books. Um, you're a Philly guy. Uh, how special of an honor is this for you? Oh, it's super special, uh, especially because my friends and family will be there and the people that I respect who and have, have helped me along the way. You know, there's an old saying, John, that your altitude in life is determined by your attitude and your gratitude. And even though my name is going to be on that plaque, it will belong to everybody in that room because everybody in that room has helped shape what I have done over 30 years of covering the National Football League. You know, just to give you a couple of examples, Ron Jaworski changed my life in so many ways. Jaws said to me five years into my career, he said, you don't know what you don't know. Come into NFL Films, study film with me. He made me the host of the NFL Mashup Show, which I've been hosting for 20 years. Then he put me on the Jaws Youth Partnership Board. And Jaws and his wife Liz and his family have raised $7 million for youth playgrounds in the Philadelphia region. That's just one example. And then, you know, Dick Vermeil. It's an amazing how much he has, he has inspired all of us. And he'll be there, Harold Carmichael. And the Otho Davis Scholarship Foundation is in its 25th year. They have raised millions of dollars for athletic trainers, young athletic trainers all over the country. And, and I've gone to that dinner for a long, long time. It is a great, great charity to be involved with it. It is amazing. So I've had a lot of help along the way, and uh, I'm so grateful. I really am. Well, it's an incredible honor for you and very well-deserved. You do a lot of things in the community, and uh, you've been a great person for people who aspire to be in journalism or broadcast journalism coming up like myself. I remember going into the NBC10 offices working there, and Vi Sikahema, no better guy than Vi. Um, and you were there. And so to learn from you and to watch you, um, it's been awesome. And I always say, you always know the question to be asked. You know what is at the root of the issue, the question <laughs> that needs to be asked. And uh, that is a good skill. And um, you've been fantastic and amazing in this town for 30 years. So it is an honor to know you and uh, can't wait to be at this dinner. And congratulations. This is going to be awesome. Thanks, John. I, I, I truly love the work that you do. You bring joy to the arena. We, we watch your, we've watched your career grow, and now, you know, you're the top. You're the number one. So we love it. Well, you're the best. You are the best. And this is going to be a special night. And, uh, and then a special night later in the week for Eagles-Cowboys. I look forward to seeing <laughs> you there. Sal? Nothing gets Philadelphia fired up like an Eagles-Cowboys game. It doesn't matter if, you know, the Cowboys are out of it or the Eagles are out of it. You got to get that win. Little little rumble in the concrete jungle, South Philadelphia. Right. Love it. Otho right. Davis dinners, football night in Philly on Dallas week. Come on. I love it. It is a great week. Congrats, my friend, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. Oh, I'm so flagrant.